Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello there. How are you all doing? I hope you had a nice weekend. I didn't do a whole lot and I sometimes really enjoy those weekends when you feel you just need to chill. So we did nothing on Sunday, on Saturday and then Sunday we went to see family. So just a nice, wholesome, chilled out weekend. Anyway, to introduce you to today's episode, I share my chat with Aideen, who is a qualified nurse, midwife and most recently a lactation consultant and she mentions her Instagram page which is milkmam.ie um her her so that's a website her Instagram page is milkmam and she is she shares a lot of information and, and support and she has a passion for that postpartum period we didn't speak too much about it in this episode but she really has a passion for women's mental health as well so she talks she provides support on her platform surrounding that as well. So Aideen talks us through her two pregnancies and birth stories. She gave birth to two little boys. She talks about conception first time round. She thought she would conceive really quickly and she was waiting seven months. Um, although she mentions in the grand scheme of things, that is a really short space of time, but not doesn't feel that way when you're in it. She, as a midwife, it's really nice to hear her perspective as a midwife. Um, she talks about her preferences uh, then talks straight goes straight into labour and the birth of her little boy and it was quite quick she was induced and it was quite quick uh, so it was about five hours all in um, which she wasn't expecting I think a lot of us expect a really long 12-13 hour labour um, which doesn't happen for all of us she then goes on to talk about her second experience which was at home with the support of her husband and her midwives a really nice story. Um, she did have to. She was a, She did have to go to hospital. So an ambulance came to bring her to hospital because they thought that she had third degree tear. Thankfully, she didn't. Um, and she also mentioned something which I know so many women have mentioned before. Um, when they have a vaginal 
births without any pain relief and then they end up having a tear or third degree tear and they need an epidural for that and it can feel really disappointing so Aideen was just felt that to a certain extent but she didn't need the epidural so she was relieved to be able to go home uh, an hour after she received the care that she needed in the hospital. So a nice story, two completely different experiences, hospital uh, and home, but a really nice episode to hear the perspective of someone who has previously worked in the A maternity care setting. So thank you to Aideen for sharing her story. I really appreciate it. Enjoy. So Aideen, you are very welcome to the Ireland's First Stories podcast. Thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, great. Delighted to sit down and have a chat with you. Do you want to just mention your Instagram page? Actually, I'd love if you could do that and I'll direct people your way as well, because I know you're putting um, time and effort into that. So it'd be nice to highlight sure. that on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Um, I set up an Instagram page just at, uh, well, early into the COVID, well, just a little bit before actually COVID um, called Milkmam. .ie, so that's milk mam with an M at the end. Um, and if you Google it, of course, it autocorrects all the time to milk my milkman. But oh. um, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you'd find me eventually. Um, two very different suppliers of milk support. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my Insta page. Yeah. And I started that just over two years ago. And so you're a lact- lactation consultant? Lactation consultant. Yeah. Midwife, nurse, lactation consultant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I did my my lactation training. Um, before I had children, it was kind of about three years into my working as a midwife. Um, okay. I went back from being a nurse for about 15 years. I decided I'd always wanted to be a midwife. So I went and did that training. And then about three years into that, I did um, separate specialist training to be an IBCLC, which is um, an international board certified lactation consultant. Um, and it was mainly just for my own stuff. Yeah, it was mainly yeah. just for myself. I'm kind of like I'm an eternal student um, uh, to help women um, yeah. just to be able to give them the answers that they were looking for. And I just felt that the basic midwife training didn't really give us enough, just kind of stretch, scratch the surface. Yeah. So I did that. And then little did I know that when I had my home first baby at home and COVID kicked off, um, I was really conscious that women just didn't have enough support. So I just started this page to put out a bit of information. Then all of a sudden it kind of snowballed from there. And um, I, I do private work now as a lactation consultant part-time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a few jobs. Okay, let's get stuck in. If you want to tell us a little bit about you and your family, and then we'll chat about your birth stories. Perfect, I will. Um, so my name is Aideen. I am 41 and a half years old and I'm married to Deck um, for four and a half years now. Um, we met a little late in life. Well, I know mid thirties isn't that late these days, but it was late enough for us. Um, and uh, we we loved each other from the get go, really, and we knew it was it. So um, we we actually got married about a year and a half after we first met, and um, thankfully, soon enough after that, we were very lucky to have two little boys, um, eighteen months apart. Miles is three, and Vinny at the moment is eighteen months. Um, and I work as a, a nurse midwife in a general practice at the moment. And I also work um, I do a little bit of side work um, as a lactation consultant. So do you want to talk us through conceiving your first little boy? Sure. So I was um, I think I was 38. Yes, I was 38 um, when we got married and I thought about coming off the pill that you you're on for so many years um 
just before we were getting married so that I'd be off it from the get-go and I thought oh no I can't do that you know I have to go on honeymoon and enjoy myself Mm. Um, and then of course it took a number of months after that of of trying to conceive and you certainly run out of steam after about six months but long story short we we did conceive um our first thankfully straight away really at at seven months um and we were really lucky that the my first pregnancy um went ahead and all went really well um i was working um as a midwife in a hospital at the time um and uh we were just about to go off to hol- on holidays actually to um a friend's wedding in uh, in italy and i would always tell women never do a pregnancy test before your period is due or even on the day it's due just don't do it to yourself wait a few days until you know it's really late but i was kind of conscious that we were flying to italy this the day after this last shift in work and we have a hcg machine right there to use and you can you can pop your little urine sample into it and you get your answer straight away and i thought oh i'll just stick a urine sample into it just before i head home on my on my rower home um and uh put it in said goodbye to all my friends got changed and um i got on my bike and i was halfway home and i went oh god <laughs> i left that in the machine Oh, <laughs> and um, knowing that the night staff that had come on would go in and see either a positive or a negative and wonder whose was that? Who's that? Oh my god, that would have been great on the ward. <laughs> so I turned back around and I went back to the hospital, fully convinced it would be negative anyway, and it was a waste of time doubling back. But ran into the um into the side room beside the office where the machine was, and here was this sample sticking out saying positive, positive, wow. and then I was like cycling home with it going was that my sample or was <laughs> was my sample already out and um a- another woman's sample had been put in because at the time we wouldn't have put ids on it we just we we're doing so okay. many urine samples over the course of a day so um anyway I got home and I just handed it to my, my husband and I said I think this is mine <laughs> and he was like okay so um anyway it was mine was able to confirm um a few days later when I did a second test that it was mine and I was pregnant um and um yeah that that um shone a different light on our on our fun romantic holiday away initially yeah of course (laughs) and with my early pregnancy but um no all all was well um and how did you feel then throughout your your first trimester um I was really really lucky actually the first trimester I I don't even think I was particularly tired. I remember I would um I would feel nauseous in the morning if I if I didn't eat almost as soon as I got up. But um luckily once I had food in my tummy, I I settled and I was absolutely fine. I breezed through it. I used to run uh, about three times a week. Um I'd always do the park run. I loved the park run um mm-hmm. on a Saturday, the 5k. Um, it had actually gotten me through quite a difficult stage in my life a couple of years before meeting my husband. Um, that was when I started running and just for my mental health to just have something routine and regular to do on a Saturday morning. So I loved that. Um, and I, I I decided as long as I felt okay in the pregnancy, I would keep doing it. And that that went okay, actually, for the early first trimester. But when I got to about 12 weeks, um, I had to uh, put the running aside um, because I started getting PGP, which is the pelvic girdle pain, or some people know it as um, SPD, symphysis pubis dysfunction or something like that. Um, 
I got this niggling right in my symphysis pubis in, 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 at the top of my legs. And, um, that just persisted for the rest of pregnancy. Okay. Um, but looking back for that pregnancy, that was quite manageable. I worked through it. Um, I could, ju- I j- could walk slowly, but I could walk. Um, I didn't need any supports with it. Um, I had to turn really gingerly in bed and as the pregnancy advanced that did get harder and harder but looking back it was manageable so I I do feel I was I was looking in that in that sense um for that pregnancy I I pretty much breezed through that pregnancy really um I worked up to 36 weeks um and yeah that was so what was your birth plan your 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 preferences so I didn't really have preferences per se, but I did know that I wanted to go with um, the Domino team um, uh, within the hospital that I worked in. So the the midwives that um, follow you throughout. Um, and when I booked in with them at 12 weeks, they um, they they give you a, a form that you fill out. And I had never actually seen this before because I'd never worked with them per se. Um, and I filled it out and at, at, towards the end of it, it said, what were your plans for pain relief? Um, in labor and obviously the, the domino are really advocates of in as much as possible a physiological birth without um medication or intervention or analgesia um other than gas and air um, <clears throat> and I wrote on it you know that I would do I would aim to do all the usual things of labor at home for as long as I could and use water and walking and lunges and squats and rest and music and hypnobirthing and all of these things that you hear about in terms of um, low or minimal intervention. And then at the end of it, I wrote and epidural if I feel necessary. And I remember when I did the booking appointment, um, it was one of the more advanced midwives who took me into the room and she said, I see you wrote epidural on this. What do you, what do you mean? And my response was just, look at, I don't know what my pain threshold is going to be like. I was really doubtful of myself um, I suppose in some way for good reason. I'd never even been a patient in hospital. I'd never had a cannula even put into my hand. I'd never had more than bloods taken on myself. I was really lucky. Um, I, I suppose I had broken fingers and things like that playing tag when I was younger, but I'd never had to be in hospital or be operated on or anything like that. So I didn't know what my pain threshold was going to be like. And I also was wise enough as a midwife to know that first labors on first babies can be extraordinarily long um, and even the most wonderfully tolerant and high pain thresholded woman reaches their limit and everyone's limit is different so I suppose I just wanted to be open with myself and with them about where I thought I was going um, and she understood that um, yeah. but she worked hard on me for the rest of the pregnancy to you know believe in yourself do your reading do your practicing, um, keep yourself fit, you know, all, all those kind of things. But as well as my PGP became more of a problem as the pregnancy advanced, I really wondered, you know, how am I going to do, try all these different positions to um, assist my labor? The, all those kind of things are, were floating around in my head. But I suppose I just imagined being able to, at the very least, um, spend time with my husband at home in this early uh, pre-labor kind of a phase um at least to be able to do that 
and go to hospital when I really felt I needed to, and then just take it from there. My my main hope was not to have an emergency cesarean at the end of a long labor. Um, and very particularly, I really didn't want to have an instrumental delivery. Um, I've seen those many, many times, and I've um, more crucially, I suppose, seen the aftermath um, for women, and not to scare anybody who might be listening, but I suppose who wants an intervention such as any kind of an instrument put into your your very precious and delicate bits if if you can avoid it so I obviously really 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 wanted to avoid that um but yeah that those were my kind of thoughts around how I hoped lab would go to be honest actually the thing I most feared was stitches Um, And that was because my mother had put the fear of God in me. She had four children um, and she birthed the first three vaginally without, um, I I don't think there was any instruments involved. And the fourth, she had, um, she had a cesarean because it was an unstable lie. So my sister was lying sideways. Um, But I was her third child and I was a very quick delivery for her. But she would always tell us the story of her first baby, which was your very typical, very long, um, pre-labor phase and then I don't know how long maybe eight to 12 hours of her actual active labor which I know now is actually quite an average active labor phase for a first mom um, but this was in the 70s and um, she felt really unsupported and really unlistened to and I think you know at the time my dad was banished outside of the room um, and and she was I think most distressed by being sutured after the event without sufficient um, local anesthetic local, which yeah. I know would at all costs try to be avoided now but I know sometimes that's possible sometimes that's not um, but I know I, I just always remember that kind of story from her and I think that's what actually worried me the most not not the labor not the delivery but the stitches afterwards and of course now when I look back that was like so manageable to me in comparison to all of everything else that went on you almost I know not everybody would agree with this, but you almost don't care what's going on down at your vagina after your baby's been born and you've experienced what you've experienced up to that point. Um, And you also don't realise how common getting stitches is. I remember after I had Oliver, I rang my mum and I was like, mom, I have stitches. And she's like, yeah, and so does every other second person. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, especially first time mums probably, yeah, well, maybe I'm picking this out of the sky, but probably <laughs> 90% of vaginally born first time mums would, would have a stitch. Um, people also think that it's a lot of a lot of different stitches and it, it tends to be just one one stitch in a, in a loop that dissolves. Um, but I suppose, yeah, none of that is particularly pleasant, but it's um, it's a small little issue in a big pond. So do you want to talk us through your first signs of labor? So I woke up early on a Sunday morning. I was 37 and six and um, I just felt a bit wet between my legs. And I suppose, um, not to be too descriptive, but anyway, here I am. I'm a midwife. As descriptive as you want. (laughs) (laughs) Vaginal discharge would have increased towards the end of the pregnancy anyway, which is all very normal. So I didn't really overthink it. I went out to the loo and I I passed urine. And when I wiped, 
I just immediately knew I'm so used to looking at, at a scrutinizing toilet paper from women to go, is that urine or is that waters? Mm. And I knew with the pink kind of tinge to it, it was waters. And I got really excited. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. I'm, I'm well, I haven't finished work for very long and I thought I would have had more Netflix time. But yeah. um, I was delighted though that I wasn't going to be, I, I already knew I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people creeping up to 42 weeks pregnant. Um, so I went into my husband and I just got back into bed and cuddled up with him. And he just opened his eyes and goes, Good morning. And I said, um, so my waters have just gone. And he absolutely exploded out of the bed. He didn't know what to do or say. <laughs> and uh, we, I I was happy at that point that the baby was moving. So I knew there wasn't a mad rush into the hospital, but I know that that the team in the hospital would always want to check over the baby and, and yourself once the waters go and just to make sure that everything was okay. So we, we had our breakfast and we went in after about an hour or so and had the routine CTG um, to check the baby's heart rate and make sure everything was okay. And also just to confirm that it was, that the waters had gone and they did, um, I think they did a swab to check for G group B strep, um, which would be routine, I suppose, after your waters go. Um, none of, during none of this time did I have any cramps or pains at all. Um, and I was, you know, just waiting for it to start. I knew that it, it's un, unusual for, it's less likely for waters to go before pains. Normally it's the other way around. The woman gets contractions first and then the waters go at some point during the labor, sometimes not even until the very end. So went in, got the check, um, had the swab done. They confirmed that, yes, my waters had gone and that they were clear, which was obviously crucial because I would only be allowed to go home um, if they were clear, um, as opposed to meconium or blood um, in the waters. And baby was happy. So they said, right, you go off home and we'll ring you and just make sure that, that swab was negative for GBS. If it was positive, they would have called me back in and induced me straight away and put me on antibiotics. But thankfully, it was negative. So I was given the all clear to um, have nearly 24 hours at home and be booked in for induction the next day and I went home and I don't know my gut just told me that because pains hadn't even started yet and by this stage we were probably four or five hours into it I thought oh no I really want these pains to come because I really 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 did not want to get induced I just did not see that happening and um I'm I have a lot of strong feelings about inductions. Um, I know they have their place in certain circumstances for women for a whole array of reasons, and they're very reasonable reasons, and obviously for the right reasons, for mother's protection and for the baby's health. But I also know for a fact that inductions are overdone and they result in too many instrumental deliveries and too many failed inductions, which end up with um, really quick um, cesarean sections at the end of a really long induction, which is a really, really traumatic um, thing for a woman and her partner to go through and for a baby to go through in a lot of circumstances. And I've seen and dealt with a lot of the aftermath. So I did not want an induction. So anyway, back to our Sunday at home, not a pain in the world. We went for a walk. We watched a film. Um, we 
both tried to race through the hypnobirthing book um, that was sitting on the kitchen table for about the previous two months. And I felt I would get to read that once I was on maternity leave and hadn't got around to it yet, other than I think reading the introduction at the very beginning. Um, and we we went for another walk then later in the evening and family called over and it was all really weird because they were like, oh, your waters have gone. Wonder when this baby's going to show. And still no pains. Um, we had our dinner and we went to bed and I didn't sleep well that night. I think I, I was obviously anxious about yeah. the fact that I wasn't going into labor um, of my own accord. Um, and also the fact that I was leaking very little water. So I knew as well that that most likely meant it was a hind water leak, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know if, if you know, it just means that the water are it's uh, rather than being a rupture um, at the bottom of the bag of membranes, that's right at the, the neck of the womb, it's up higher somewhere. So I don't know how it happens. It could be a, a baby's fingernail or something like that. Um, it's more unusual for that to happen, I suppose. But the problem with a hindwater leak is it doesn't always stimulate labor to start as much as a big burst at the bottom of the bag where the baby's head would be. Um, So that was a bit disconcerting. Um, So I didn't sleep great. I actually got up, came down to the kitchen and I remember just being really upset, my husband coming down and I was like, oh, this just, this just isn't happening. I just know the writing's on the wall. And I'm going to go into hospital now and all my friends are going to be around me and colleagues. And I just can almost see how this is going to pan out. So I wasn't terribly happy about that, but I didn't have any doubt about my health, though, or that I wasn't worried about the health of my baby either. I just I don't know. I had positive feelings about that. I felt like we were going to be OK. I just I hate the not knowing. I just didn't know how things were going to go. Um. So it's really hard we, to surrender to that, especially first it time is hard. because it's it's just it is hard. I think it's the only thing. Well, yeah. I suppose that you yeah. have to be like, I have no control over this, and you have no insight into what it's going to look like either. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, um, that morning we got up and had a bit of breakfast, and I just cried into my cornflakes because I just I turned to deck and I just said, I just know I'm going to go in. I'm going to be induced. It's going to take twelve hours, and I'm going to end up having a cesarean at the end of it anyway. I wish I could nearly just go in and just have the cesarean straight away even though I didn't really mean that either, but I just hated that not knowing and being out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it was a, a really stormy morning. It was Storm Brandon, as far as I remember, and we didn't know the sex of the baby. And and Dex said, uh, so, uh, Brandon, if it's a boy? And I said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I had a big dark cloud over my head going in. Um, but... To be fair to the hospital and my colleagues, um, when I went in and I was brought up to the antenatal ward, I was looked after like any other woman. Um, Obviously, some of them knew me, some of them didn't because it's a big enough hospital and we don't all work together. But I was treated with utmost respect and just really exceptional professionalism, I found. and I didn't feel like that was because I was a member of staff. Now, maybe it was, but I didn't feel like it was. I felt like I was being told the same and treated the same as any other woman in the room. Um, and that was nice, actually. It was a way of me being able, given given the green light, to just park my my midwife and my my nursing hat and just 
be a pregnant woman mm-hmm. um for 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 that time being so um long story short i suppose i should move on my 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 the, when they came around on the round um obviously examined me and and confirmed that the waters had gone again and um i was praying that my cervix was had in some way changed enough that they'd be able to get in and break the waters in the hope that pains would start then. Mm. So um, a really amazing um, registrar um, did the examination and it was uncomfortable, but um, I I should go back to the hypnobirthing book. We both managed to read one chapter each <laughs> and I just read a really short synopsis of how to do the breathing during an examination. And my husband read the part about partner support and actually both both little bits that we read were absolutely invaluable for what was to come next. So I did my breathing through that examination and I got through it and I heard a big pop and loads of waters and loads of clear waters and I was delighted. I thought, this is great. Pains are going to start now. This is wonderful. And while my husband was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> where is all the water coming from? Um, and we were allowed to sit back in the bed. Our lunch, my lunch came, and I'm one of those sick people who absolutely loves ho- hospital food. I think it comes from doing night shifts as a nurse, where you just like eat any scraps that are left over in the kitchen and make toast after toast after toast. Um, so yeah, I loved my lunch, and I. I knew I wanted to get as many calories into me as possible because I just felt like it was going to be a really long day. And um, the midwife manager said to me at the end of that procedure, so we're going to, we're just waiting on a room over in the delivery ward and we'll send you over in about an hour. And I said, will you stretch it out to two, please? Because I just really wanted the pains to start. But of course, anyway, no pains. I was marched over to the delivery ward. Um, not a pain in the world. Um leaking Niagara Falls and uh, set up in um, the room that is set up for the domino team, which is a, a room I really hoped that I would, that I would be able to have, that it might be free, but it isn't always free, but I got lucky on the day anyway. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, the bed is made kind of of minimal importance and it's can be put to the side of the room and you've got your own suite um, and a birthing ball and, a stool and just nice lighting and um aromatherapy and things like that it, it's just a nice room to be in and I'd I'd assisted in delivering many many babies in that room and it was always my favorite so I was glad to be going in there and I think that's what relaxed me actually straight off mm. and I met my midwife who I actually didn't know at all she was one of the team that I'd never met before um, and that, that was actually you, sorry. I know when I first saw her I was like oh no I don't know you I thought that in my head but but as soon as she introduced herself we just struck it off straight away and the three of us just nattered for the first kind of hour when she was getting my drip in and getting things started and doing my ops and checking, having a feel of the bump and doing a CTG. Um, obviously, I was I was strapped up with the baby monitoring because it was an induction, which, again, was something I didn't really anticipate that I would be having that early in my labor, but such is life. But she was, she knew my wishes and she was like, look, it doesn't matter. You've got a drip stand and you've got the monitoring. We'll use the wireless monitoring as much as we can. And you can, um, I can't remember whether she was letting me into the shower or not. I don't think I was pushed to go into the shower at that point anyway. So I didn't, but 
she would remind me throughout the, ne- the the following few hours to, you know, why don't you try the birthing stool or why did you sit on a ball for a while or go down onto all fours or do a few lunges? And I found that really helpful because even though I knew to practice all of those things and to change my position every so often, I didn't think of it actually because as the oxytocin was going into me early on, it didn't phase me too much, but but oxytocin um, synthetic oxytocin does seem to have a different effect on women in terms of the strength of the contractions. Um, and I was breathing quite well through them come about three hours in, but I think I was probably so focused on them that I wouldn't have thought to change my position. So she was amazing in just really subtly going, why don't you get down onto your hands and knees there, Aiden, or um, why don't you lean back into deck? Um, when I was sitting on um, a little stool, a little low stool. And I think that was just fantastic for getting my labor to progress. Um, uh, And usually you'd have five hours of oxytocin before you would be examined again because there's, there's no... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com reason to examine anybody prior to that because you obviously want the cervix to do its job and start opening up um so so I was four and a half hours into oxytocin when I felt the urge to go out to the toilet to do a poo sorry about that and I think it was about my third time going out and on this occasion I was just sitting on the loo and I'd absolutely nothing to do, but I just started bearing down. And I had seen this so many times with women where you get that, like, it's almost like you're going to be sick, a kind of a bearing down. There's no control. Yeah, there's no control over it. It's like a wretch, but it's a downward wretch. 
um, and I was holding the drip stand and I had the door kind of half closed for a bit of privacy and I just let out uh, like I don't know what kind of a monster sound and my husband and the midwife ran into the room I went okay we'll get you onto the bed and they walked me out and put me on the bed and I think in my head I thought oh brilliant this means I'm ready to push this is it and she said normally I wouldn't examine now until five hours but um we might do a little examination I was like yes 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 please do that and she examined and my heart fell when she said I'd call you a good four centimeters and I was like oh Jesus (laughs) we've got a long way to go and she said will I give you a little sweet while we're at it and I said yeah you do whatever you want and she I don't know swept I don't know like what around the top of the baby's head and the next contraction I felt was again expulsive that that again like bearing down and I knew instantly once my body was doing that I was like okay this is it this is pushing time because literally seconds before that just while she was doing the examination or shortly after I thought I can't do this anymore I'm gonna have to ask for an epidural because this is really unbearable now and if she's calling me four centimeters then this is going to take six plus more hours this is what I was thinking in my head you know an hour per centimeter as we were all kind of told in school um but um no my body was ready to get to remove this baby and um the pushing just started straight away and I ended up I ended up actually giving birth so fine on my back um and I remember her saying do you want to go onto your side or onto your all fours because she was kind of conscious that I didn't have an epidural in and I could position in whatever way I wanted but for whatever reason my body just wanted to stay where it was I I think it was probably partly to do with the PGP I just couldn't imagine mm. moving again I it was just so uncomfortable to turn um that I I yeah I just lay back and pushed 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 and I remember just trying to catch my breath between contractions because they were absolutely on top of each other. And I wished she would have turned off the oxytocin, but I knew she wasn't going to do that um, until at least the head was out. And we weren't at that point yet. Um, But push, push, push. And the immense pressure of a head coming through your pelvis is just unbelievable. It's like nothing you'd have ever experienced before. Um, But it was how I had been told before about once you're in that pushing phase, if you don't have an epidural on board, or even if you do, it's the it's a pressure that you feel more than more than a kind of um, it's a searing pain at times, contractions, but that goes to the wayside. In my experience, anyway, it goes to the wayside during pushing because there's just it's pressure. It's it's a solid thing coming down through your pelvis. It's like no poo you've ever passed <laughs> um and uh I could feel the relief in it like I could feel him moving down um I, I think I was lucky as well I, I I gave birth to a small little baby he was only three kilos and I was 38 weeks on that day um and I think in having seen him and how quick he actually came in such a fast labor especially an induced labor on a first baby I never expected him to be born within five hours of that but looking back I think he was just he was just in a rush to see the world um and uh he just needed a little helping hand 
hundred, um, and he was born right right there and then. And we did we they lifted him up, and I can't remember whether myself or my husband said he was a boy. And he went straight up onto my chest, and it was just oh my god, the most amazing relief in the whole world. I just I was so proud of myself. I I was also so shocked that how fast it had been, and how how I'd coped with it, but like I couldn't have done it without the midwife and my husband right there supporting me right the way through. And the chapter that he had read in that hypnobirthing book, to, he said one yeah. of the lines said, if you don't know what to say, say nothing at all. And so he said he did a lot of that <laughs> and it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. So, um, yeah, um, that, that was, that was Miles. Um, and did you choose to bottle feed or breastfeed? I I breastfed both boys. Um, I being a lactation consultant, I I kind of knew those early days of how to troubleshoot those really common early problems like shallow mm. latch, um, a difficult latch on the baby, and getting positions right. I kind of I knew the theory behind all of those things. Obviously, I'd never put a baby to my own breast before, so I didn't know what it was going to feel like. Um, and I didn't know what form of anatomy my baby would have. I, I had enough professional confidence behind it to just take a calm approach to it, maybe. Um, and I was, again, I was lucky. I had a baby who latched on quite well, really. Um, if anything, both of my boys were, were loose. They, they didn't have the strongest of latch, which can be a problem in its own self. But I, I was able to manage that and... Um, my milk came in a little bit kind of slow, kind of day four, day five. Um, when we're taught in the books, it's like day two, day three. And as well as now being a mom or two, having fed two babies, I know that really there's a lot of gray areas um, in feeding and also just raising newborns. Um, and there's there's no rule book. Um, so there's a lot of wing in it. Um, and there's a lot of just trusting your own mother and father's yeah. instinct, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I I I fed and and the postpartum period was was it was a blur. It was looking back, it was really lovely and peaceful with with the one baby at home in our quiet little house, and we um we'd cozy up in bed together, the three of us. And um, it was the middle of winter, um, and and it was a really dry kind. Of, I remember a lot of the days were really sunny, and I was starting to get my walking back, so my progress was going from being able to walk to the end of the driveway with the buggy and then walking halfway down the road and then walking a little bit further. And then probably three or four weeks in, I was able to do a full walk around the block. Um, so the pelvis kind of started to improve, thankfully, pretty quickly for me. So that was all great until COVID hit when he was seven weeks old. Um, and yeah, that as we all know, that was a pretty stark new reality of being reclusive and um, which in a lot of ways as a new mom you're, you're not going to be going out partying you, I, I certainly didn't mind about not being able to go out for meals or to cinema or any of those things because I even without COVID I wouldn't have been doing those with a newborn really I don't think but um I remember though mentally I found a really unusual time of the year the most difficult and I I now know that it coincides with that month four month five sleep progression that's that's bandied around um and it's it's a developmental 
phase in babies that I think is like the most difficult to deal with in my experience. Um, in the first year of life, it's kind of that month four to month five when they're awake a lot during the night and they're just teething and there's loads of issues and it's really hard to fix any of them. And that happened in the May of, of 2020. Um, so we were, I think we were coming to realize that COVID was really not going away. And I remember just walking over to my local shops with Miles in the buggy and it was a beautiful sunny day and I, I, I'm a May baby. So I, I've always loved May and it, in my memory, it's always been a sunny month. Um, maybe I've rose tinted glasses, but I'm always a happy person in May. And I remember just the tears streaming down my face, walking to the shops and I just couldn't stop crying. And I just was, I, it was obviously a, a good bit of sleep deprivation and, and just sadness about what was going on in the world. And just feeling a bit alone because my husband is a healthcare worker himself. So he was not one of these people who was working from home and being able to, you know, drop down to the kitchen or something to see if I was getting okay. He was gone from half eight to six from Monday to Friday. So that was a long spell of time to not see anybody else. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wasn't really, I just didn't really feel like reaching out to online things. Um, I had a baby who fed, um, like he did the usual, he did the normal breastfeeding thing of of feeding, you know, 12 times a day, maybe in those early months. And even though they'd be short little feeds, it still, it still meant I had to sit down and do the feed like every one and a half hours or so. And it might take 50 minutes, it might take a half an hour. And that's perfect because that's what I was there to do. And I, I couldn't do anything else really, but I, I wasn't able to be working on the laptop. I didn't have the concentration anyway to be doing any kind of Zoom things. So it was a lonely time. That's that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it was for everybody, I suppose. But but that that was it. That was my postpartum time really with Miles. So when you decided to conceive again, or did you did you feel in a in a good place then? Yeah, I did. Um I did. <laughs> I I said to Deck at about ten miles was ten months old and he was um he was feeding maybe once or twice a night and my period came back actually after about nine months um during that window of time he was feeding much more during the day than during the night so I was only up to him about maybe once or twice during the night at about when he was nine to ten months so I wasn't too surprised that my period had come back and I said right Deck maybe we should kind of get onto this because I knew I was approaching 40 and I I'd really hoped to have more than one um and ideally I'd love to have them before I was 40 or at least in my 40s and knowing that Miles had taken about seven months or so to conceive I kind of envisaged the same or possibly longer well I was very wrong because Miles was 10 months old when we conceived Vinny and uh I went right okay so we're gonna have an 18 month gap that's that's great um might as well and we're in, we're in, when you're in to win. Um, and uh, we were delighted. Um, again, it was thankfully a pregnancy that progressed. And um, I was pretty, pretty well, other than, you know, the usual being very tired in the first trimester. I was still feeding miles. Um, but uh, I was about 12 or 13 weeks I think, yeah, I was about 12 or 13 weeks pregnant when 
Um, Miles started to sleep through the night and because I was pregnant and oh, I was going back to work as well and I was doing night shifts, I wouldn't be able to feed him during the night and my supply just disappeared and he had also started crash at that time. So we were separated. So that was the end of our feeding journey. And I was, I was okay with that actually, because I kind of was happy to get my body back to in somewhat myself before baby number two arrived. And mm. um, so um, I went back into work and straight onto night shifts and then COVID got worse. I can't really remember exactly what stage of lockdowns we were at that point, but because I was a technically um, advanced maternal age and uh, that was a risk factor for my pregnancy. Um, and I was working obviously in a high risk area and at this point wasn't vaccinated yet or was I? I can't remember. I might have had one vaccination. Um, I had to work from home and I thought, how is a midwife supposed to work from home? But um, anyway, it worked out for the rest of the pregnancy. It actually really worked in in my favor and in the hospital's favor, really, because my PGP was 100 times worse the second time around. And if it wasn't for working for, from home, I wouldn't have been working at all. And I would have actually hated that um, because I couldn't have done a 13-hour shift and been on my feet. Um, I was in entirely um, worse, worse way this, the second time around. So um, I was doing booking visits and things like that over the phone uh, from home, and that worked really well. Um, but um, yeah, the PGP was was very hard. Um, I remember towards the end of the pregnancy, the um, we don't we only have a bathroom upstairs, and uh, thankfully it was summertime because Vinny was born in June. So um, I remember I'd, I had to pee out in the garden throughout the day in work from working and um, because I just couldn't go up and down the stairs uh, any more times during the day so I would come down after my shower and whatever in the morning and that was it until I went up to bed. So tell me why you decided to opt for a home birth. I decided to opt so after I had Miles um, the midwife jokingly said to me the next day oh you'll have to have a home birth next time sure you did that no bother and I thought you know what I would consider it um I wouldn't have considered it on my first because I just didn't have any belief in myself <laughs> that I would in any way be able to do it. Um, and then I bloody well did it <laughs> to the surprise of myself and I think everybody else. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I just knew, I it, it, I didn't even have to think about it. I just knew I'd be able to cope with labor at home. I just hoped that the pregnancy would progress in, in a way that would allow me to have a home birth. Yeah. So um, it was booked in and planned and it was only towards the end of the pregnancy. I think I was probably about 36 weeks pregnant when one of my visits with the midwives was where they would come to the house and just see what the lay of the land was and also go through the technical information that is essentially a contract, which also myself and my husband were not really aware of, but they went through all of the reasons why I would have to be transferred to hospital or all of the reasons why the home birth would have to be abandoned even before labor. And some of them I would have known about before, um, say if I got any complications like diabetes or high blood pressure, any of those things, the the home birth would be off the cards. So I, I knew those kind of bits. And then in labor they went through um 
really minute details of reasons why we would be transporting in either before the birth or immediately after if needs be. So, you know, we had our eyes open. I know my husband was happier after hearing all that because he thought, right, I think these these women are on their game. They know what they're talking about and you're in good hands. And also we don't live that far from the hospital. So um, we were happy to go ahead. I certainly was happy to go ahead, but it, was, it wasn't until then my husband said, okay, now I'm happy to... Let's see how this goes. Um, I didn't bother with a pool. Um, I just, I just had a funny feeling that miles came quite quickly as an induced birth. That if I have a spontaneous labour at home, I knew it could be quite quick. Um, and uh, so I, I, I didn't bother with that. I, I slightly regretted it. It would have been lovely to have a bit of water pain relief for my my pelvis, but anyway, um, such is life. Um, what happened was I thought my waters had gone again. I was standing in the kitchen and I got this little kind of a gush. It was more gush than a trick. And I thought, oh no, that's that's the waters. And I looked down into my underwear and it looked a little bit kind of greeny. And I thought, oh no, that's meconium. That's the home birth off the plate yeah. straight away. And I rang Deck and uh, he, he, he um, came home from work he picked up Miles from Crash, came home from work, and we dropped Miles over to my sister's to do a little kind of a test run sleepover, and um, because we knew we we might we might get him to sleep over in my sister's, um, on at the birth time if it happened to be during the day or early in the night or something. So we dropped him over and we headed into only to have confirmed that my waters had not gone, and that was actually show basically, um, and. I felt really embarrassed as a midwife to think that my orders had gone and it wasn't at all. <laughs> and I also have told so many women that the show can display itself in lots of different ways, small amounts, big amounts. Um, so thankfully it wasn't the waters. Um, and the as the 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 doctor was examining me, she said, Will will I do a sweep? And I kind of wasn't really prepared for that question. And uh, I just said, oh, whatever. And so she went ahead and did a sweep and um, we packed up, went home. This was just the late kind of evening. Went home. I had no pains. My waters hadn't gone. So I thought, okay, grand. So we get another night. Um, I was 39 weeks pregnant. And at this point, because with the PGP and also being a week past where I'd had miles, I felt like I was 43 weeks pregnant at this point. Okay. I could not wait to have the baby I have massive empathy for anybody who goes any further because because I'd had miles at 38 weeks I I kind of had that time in my head of thinking right anytime after that is late like so um I thought okay look let's just enjoy the evening our our other baby is is off being minded let's we watched a film I actually had I shouldn't be saying this, but I had a single measure of Bailey's because it's my absolute favorite drink and I hadn't had any. Um, and I thought, well, we're nearly at the end of the road now. I'm going to have my one Bailey's. And and I think he had a whiskey and we watched a film, went to bed later than I'd gone in the whole pregnancy. And I was reading in bed and I just didn't really feel like going to sleep. What's the next thing that happens? I got a period cramp. and I thought, oh, God. <laughs> I wish I had gone to bed earlier now and had a few hours kip because I just knew straight away this is it. I had one cramp and then about 20 minutes later I had another one and then 20 minutes later I had another and I and I woke Deck at that point and said, Deck, this is it. 
Uh, did you feel excited? Yeah, I felt excited. Yeah. yeah and the fact that I couldn't even go to sleep was just really un- unlike me. Um, so I went, I went out to the bathroom, I did a wee and then he came, he came out onto the landing and he's like, are you sure? Like you seem grand. And he said, do you want to go downstairs? And it's funny the way I just was like, no, I don't want to go downstairs. Even though all the while that we were thinking about having the home birth, I always imagined that I would maybe birth downstairs because we've we've a, a reasonable size kitchen that has a, a nice big rug on it and we put a mattress down on it for me to you know lie down on or do all fours or lunges or whatever um and just have a bit of space to walk around but I instantly was like nope <laughs> and we had recently got a new bed and I also was adamant I would not be giving birth in the no. bed <laughs> all the way yeah, through the pregnancy yeah. I was like I can't imagine how <laughs> giving birth in that bed I haven't got the proper sheeting on it or anything no way um, so we put we had a little single mattress that I put beside our bed for me to kneel on so that I could just be um, up on my elbows on our bed and then have my knees supported under a mattress on the floor. And they the contractions just were very prompt at coming closer and closer together. So really, that happened at half 12. That first cramp was at half 12. And an hour later, um, we were both sure that this was labor beginning. So we rang the the domino team and said, look, at, I, I talked to them myself and I said, look, at, I know it's starting, but I, it's very early on. They're still at least 10 minutes apart and they're still very manageable. And they said, OK, OK, OK. Um, OK, well, why don't you ring us back in an hour and tell us how you're going? And um, 40 minutes later, Deck had to ring them and said, I think maybe you should actually pack up your gear and come here. And they said they were already in the car because they thought better of it. When they were talking to me on the phone, they thought, "Mm, Aideen was actually kind of quick the first time around. And uh, we have a funny feeling she will be this time too. And it's just as well they did because they got to the house. Um, Well, they had a bit of time, but it was, it was quick. They got to the house in time to come up to me. I was sitting on the bed at this point and um, they did one examination um, and I can't even remember what what they said I was, uh, I don't know, three or four centimetres or something. Um, and I was like huffing and puffing through the pains, but then I was chatting to them in between that. Um, but I just remember a bit of an outer body experience. Like I remember my husband kind of chatting to the two midwives that were there um, and I was I was very particular about wanting the curtains closed. I didn't want to see the darkness outside. And I had um, a, a salt lamp beside the bed. I wanted that on. I didn't want anything else on. And uh, and that was just that was just it. I was happy kind of listening to them babbling a little bit, but I wasn't really engaging with it too much. And then I got decked to run the bath, even though I knew with my pelvis, really the bath wasn't going to do me any favors because it's not in any way large enough to labor in. Um, but I just, I just wanted to sink my hips into the bath if I could, even for five minutes. And so he ran it and um, he had it lovely and warm. And he came back into the room and he said, okay, I have the bath ready. Do you want to come out to it? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might, I might just get in just for 10 minutes or so. And it, I don't know how long it took, but it took Deck and the midwife to help me go from the bedroom into the bathroom because my hips were just like frozen. My pelvis just would not move. Um, so they waddled me in and I I stepped over into the bath and I think I just knelt in the bath so in in the end I didn't even get my pelvis into the bath because I couldn't even fathom 
how to lie down in it. It was just too narrow and I was just way too large. And um, so I just kneeled and um, the mid the midwives brought in the gas and air and I sucked like Jesus on it for the first contraction in the bath. And then I just turned onto all fours and the second contraction was the expulsive one. It was the mooing like a cow, making the most ungodly sound. I can barely remember, but I've my husband has demonstrated a few times since. And the, the, mid, the midwife quickly said to Deg, pull the plug on the bath on the bath water. Yeah. Um, so he was there fumbling trying to get that open. He's told me this after I was completely unaware of what was going on, but literally it was the sec that contraction. Fanny was born in one go um, and I'm delighted he a wasn't born on the bed and destroyed the bed and all the mess was contained in the bath because I'm a real nurse neat freak about mess <laughs> so it's like I set up to be to give birth in the bath which I didn't <laughs> yeah, but yeah. maybe maybe subconsciously I did um, but I regret um, well I uh, I shouldn't say I regret because I had no control over it. I did what my body told me to do. I was on all fours and this contraction came. I could feel him moving down. And I know as a midwife, it's really important that the baby's head is delivered first in one contraction and that the body doesn't come until the second contraction. And it obviously is to allow the, the pelvis to open further and allow the baby to turn a little bit so that they don't do you too much damage coming out to, to allow the baby's shoulder to turn. And rest for a second as well to allow all your muscles and everything to create space for the rest of the baby's body then to come. But I remember I remember just feeling this intense pressure of his head passing through. And remember, I'm on all fours and I cocked my leg like a dog. I cocked my right leg as if I was having a wee up against a lamppost. Yeah, I did the same. Yeah. And I, I basically just freed up space and he mm -hmm. shot out in that one contraction and unfortunately destroyed my perineum in the meantime. Okay. Um now not thankfully not so bad. They they did think when they when when the midwives I, I got into the shower after I had the most gorgeous shower in my own shower. And then I got into the bed to have my perineum looked at and um I didn't think there was anything wrong, but they both had a look at it and they both were like I could see them kind of doing this, going, oh, will you have a look at that? Will you have a look at that? Um, and they thought it was a third degree tear. Um, so, yeah, ambulance into the hospital, um, me and baby. Um, and uh, that was a bit kind of not chaotic, but that was a bit unsettling that hour after the mm. birth. I, I didn't get to, we probably didn't get to enjoy it as much as we should have been able to because of that. And um, because the midwives were amazing, they knew that because I'd had a home birth I, and because I was feeding him myself, I was really particular about keeping him with me. And a third degree tear means going to theatre and you can't bring the baby to theatre. And there's all this worries in me about baby being separated from me and not being able to feed and um, getting cold, all these kind of things that babies, babies are supposed to stay warm. They're supposed to be skin to skin with one or other parent. Um, so that kind of bothered me, but th but they made arrangements that um, if if I needed theatre, it would be for the shortest spell possible, and they would try and keep deck um, in the theatre waiting area with the baby, so that we weren't too far apart and this kind of stuff. Um, none of which was necessary in the end because when the doctor examined me, she felt it was just a bad second degree. Okay. Um, and so I I got stitched, and we we came straight home an hour later, which was fabulous. That was great to just it was such a relief to just 
be stitched and be done and not be not have had to go to surgery and end up getting an epidural and mm. God knows what else. Um, um, which you know I've seen that happen in so many so many times, and I feel so bad for women when they've been through their labor and they've been through their pregnancy and they've given birth to their baby and then then they have to go to theater and it's just one of those unfortunate things. Um, but luckily for me, uh, it wasn't the case, so um, we got to go home. That said, my postpartum recovery was much, much longer after Vinny. Um, and in part, it was because I suppose I, I feel myself, my body was a little bit older. Um, I went and got pregnant before I was in postnatal. And I am the biggest advocate now of people waiting if they can at least 12 months before they get pregnant again. It used to be said, if you've had a cesarean to wait a year, but my belief is if you've had any form of birth because you've had a pregnancy and you've held a baby. Um, ideally waiting a year to recover. It's taken me 18 months to nearly recover, but I'm still not there yet. I have um, a pelvic um, prolapse that's that was terribly bad and I've done a lot of work on it. I've done daily work on it with very um, specific directed physio, women's physio um, instructions about how to properly do my pelvic floor exercises, um, which I had been doing wrong for a really long time. Um, and it's really only in the last kind of six to 12 months I'm doing them right and I'm starting to see it pay off but it's still a problem it it it'll still be a problem for me I think probably maybe forever more but it's I get more good days now than I have bad days um and I do entirely attribute Vinny's large head and very very fast expulsion from my body to that um and probably as well my my abdominal muscles hadn't fully knitted back together after my pregnancy with Miles. So um my body just wasn't fully ready to be pregnant yet, I think. So it's just taken me a lot longer to recover from. It's hard to consciously get to get yourself yeah. ready because you're still like I did the same yeah. 21 months between yeah. mine, but I was still in that mode of like baby mode. Yeah. I, I was still feeding and no was I still feeding Oliver? No, I wasn't, but I was still like sleepless nights. You're still yeah. in baby mode when yeah. you go do it again if you want to have um a tight gap. So it's really hard to recover and then yeah. do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You think you're recovered, but you're probably not fully there yet. Um thank you, Aideen. That was no amazing. Problem. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to get in touch on the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie. Click on the share your stories tab and I'll get back to you as soon as possible with a recording date. Thank you to those of you who who are listening consistently, but there has been a lot of new listeners over the past couple of weeks. So I really appreciate those of you who are spreading the word, whether it's over coffee with a friend, um, on social media, with a pal and work or whoever, but there's there's there are definitely people talking about the podcast. So I really appreciate it. Um, it makes all the the work worthwhile when I see the people tune in um, every week and now twice a week. So I will be back with you on Thursday with a brand new episode. Enjoy your week. Bye bye. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.